and uh, welcome back to another episode of Out of the Rough. This week, it's just going to be me, Lenny, here, and then uh, Sean's going to be with us. Missing Nate this week, but it's all right. We'll soldier on. We'll do a little recap of the U.S. Open. Had a fantastic tournament, I must say, and the Travelers Championship that we got this week. But let's go to you, Sean. How are you doing today? I'm doing good, Lenny. I'm doing great. Love to hear it. Um, yeah, so uh, U.S. Open, I did uh, pick a nice winner in John Rung. Knew the, knew the boy could do it. I uh, guess I'm finally kind of off the curse or whatever that I put myself on when I said I'm going to bet him every major tournament because I know he's going to win them. <laughs> and he's finally done it. So after, it's probably been like five years of me hammering John around every major tournament. It's finally paid off. So we had a good week. Hit some nice uh, placement prop bets. And, uh, you know, had a few decent lineups in. And what about you, Sean? I know uh, you got up close and personal with the tournament. What are your kind of thoughts? Yeah, I mean, uh, it was uh, quite quite a tournament, like you said. The whole weekend was fun uh, from, from the start of it to the finish. I think everyone got to see Torrey Pines. And if you listen in the last weekend, uh, you know that that place is close to my home. Um, so I've, uh, I've actually uh, never been there before except for this past Sunday. Uh, so my first occurrence at, a, at Torrey Pines happened to be a Sunday at a major. So I was pretty happy with that. Um, but I got to uh, walk around the grounds. The rough was incredible. Um, so even though you see it on TV and you know that they talked about it all week and we mentioned it as well, it, it still wasn't like just walking along the fence lines and or rope lines. Like I, I was getting tripped up in the rough. My shoes were disappearing. And that's, you know, from people already walking on it all week. Um, so it is kind of crazy. I think the other thing that people don't realize, and I never really kind of understood it either, was how windy uh, it was this weekend. It kind of it was really cold and windy. So that kind of played into a little bit of it normally. Uh, you see, like the sunshine in San Diego, uh, but not not this week, unfortunately. Um, but I did uh, I did sit on eight. Uh, almost saw Bryson hit the hole in one. I was it was pretty cool to see. Yeah, an um, shot. It was very cool. I mean, he couldn't even see it himself when he hit it because the green was elevated. So he was reacting off of us reacting, and uh, he thought it went in for a second, and then he got the radio call that it was an inch, and you could see him. He was upset that it missed it by that much, but. Uh, the greens were really hard. Anything that came in off the tee box on eight hit the green and either went into the sand trap or luckily stopped on the fridge before it went into the sand trap behind it. Nothing seemed to stop except for Bryson's. Um, but after we headed there, we went to 18, um, and I got to watch the last groups come in, starting with Poulter. And, uh, I forget who he was playing with. I think maybe Molinari? Yeah, I think um, he was with Francesco Molinari there. Yeah, so those those were the first groupings that we saw come through eighteen, um, and we got to see everybody kind of kind of filter through. Um, did see it was Brooks who, or uh, I think Brooks stuffed it into the sand, didn't he? Um, on eighteen, um, I, the whole day was kind of a blur, so I forget who did what um, exactly. But I was there on eighteen when John Rahm made the putt. Um, but what was the coolest part about it, outside of the screams and yells of it all, was everyone gets those like earpieces that you can listen into the broadcast 
and you could hear how he was making momentum on 16 he made the par putt and on 17 he made a birdie and everyone was just buzzing around 18 like we i don't i don't even know who was on the green at that point in time but nobody cared about them making a putt because they knew that John Rahm was coming up and it was so such a cool moment so um it was a great weekend to be there um i had some good prop bets as well as the similar to ones that you were talking about as well so I can't be mad with John Rahm winning his first major on one of the times that I run those bets on him. So thanks for having that streak go. I think you're probably going to see his name pop up there a couple more times just based off of how he's been playing this year and just, I guess, in his whole career entirely. Um, But my lineup did not do good in DraftKings. Uh, I did not make any sort of money. I did have four guys make the cut, um, but my only real highlight would have been uh, Brooks Kepka, who took fourth. So... Um, which he had a few runs too. Um, it was uh, it was pretty fun to watch the whole thing and to see the scoreboard go up and down. Um, but quite an amazing time. Hoping to get back there in January for the uh, farmers. That'd be pretty nice. But it's a yeah. great time. And it feel bad for Louie. Yeah. Ball OB and then doesn't have a shot in to try to go for that eagle. I mean, it was just. Zert's classic vibes when he wasted one off the tee into the water. I think in the playoff, just coming down to the end, and the thing that he does so well is just that ball striking. You know, you're betting on someone to put a drive down the middle of the fairway and then just hit the middle of the green. Like, Louis one of those guys that you'd be betting every time. So, I mean, I'm absolutely buzzing for the Rom win, but, like, <laughs> part of me, like, feels bad for Louis. Uh, mm-hmm. Because I don't think too many people are betting against him. You know, seems like such a great guy, an easy guy to root for. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was a wild Sunday. I mean, I've seen a lot of people kind of complaining about the course that it it wasn't a U.S. Open quality or difficulty. You know, all this stuff about the course. But it's it's tough to complain about it when you had that leaderboard that we had Sunday. It just makes it exciting. And then we got Guido Migliozzi making the run, finishing T4. Harris English kind of coming out of nowhere, it seemed like, to finish third. And he almost he almost had, like, a shot to win if Rom doesn't go birdie-birdie to finish. And, you know, he could have been just the clubhouse leader and just sit there and watch and everyone not really blowing up, but just not being able to capitalize on everything. And, but, yeah, it was a good tournament. I mean, my lineup, I had a few pretty solid plays with Rom winning and Scheffler T7. Good week for him. And Hovland kind of had the unfortunate sand in the eye incident uh, in this pre-round warm-up and then just struggled when he went back to the field. Because I think he went like double bogey par, bogey bogey, and then just had to withdraw. Kokrak was one that really surprised me that killed me. I thought he was going to be a great play and miss the cut. Johnny Vegas, T57. I mean, he, he was a bit of a flyer. Kind of my just play the bomber strategy. Made the cut. Can't complain too much. Um, but really, it's kind of all about the ROM win for me. He was a main piece to kind of some of the cores that I played on DFS and had a bet on him outright, like I had mentioned. So I, I can't really complain this week. <laughs> but anyways we'll move on get into the travelers and get into that here 
We are playing Travelers Championship at TPC River Highlands in Connecticut. And it's really a Pete Dye design. He redid the course back in the 80s. It's had a couple of touch-ups since then. But if you look at it, it plays very similar to what you'd expect from the Pete Dye courses where it challenges all ports, parts of a player's game. Um, a lot of the holes, you'll have just kind of a semi-dogleg right and left. Nothing crazy, but they just go back and forth going into the wind and then back each hole. So you don't really have many holes that are identical or back-to-back playing very similar. Um, so it's not a it's not a course you can just kind of pick some of the faders and you know they're going to play well or pick some of the lefties and know you're going to play well. You do need to have a good, solid, complete game here. It is a par 70, but it's a short course. It's going to be playing around 6,800 yards, so it's one of the shortest we'll see on tour. Um, because of that, I'm not really going to be focusing on how in the U.S. Open I focus a lot on just driving distance and just overall driving ability. For me this week, I I don't really care too much of what you do with the driver because you're going to have more of a shorter iron in kind of regardless where you are. But there are a lot of tree-lined fairways. So you can get yourself into trouble. It's not like the driver doesn't matter. Um, there is a few, uh, few, I guess, ponds on the course. So you do have a few carries over water. Um, but it's not the most difficult course we see on tour. I think it's a course where anyone can win, and it's a great week probably to just take some flyers this week. Uh, looking at just some of our past winners, like it's all over the board with guys. We have DJ, Ches Reezy, Bubba Watson, Jordan Spieth, and Russell Knox. Out of the last five winners, you know, kind of somewhat of them, all different skill sets, all different styles of play. So really it's, it's a tough one to pick. Um, I do think, you know, the approach game, ball striking is going to play. But just having a good overall week is somewhat of a key here, getting the putter going, hitting the greens. Um, I mean, by that plays at every course. Uh, do you have anything else you want to kind of add here, Sean, about it? No, no, I think you covered it all. All right, perfect. Well, moving into some of the DFS plays we've got here. We do have DJ starting at the top at 11-4 as the reigning champion here. We got Bryson and Brooks playing. Bryson at 11-1, Brooks 10-7. Then we also have Cantley and Reed. Cantley at 10-4, Reed at 10. I'll start us off first here. My pick in this 10K range is Patrick Cantley. He's played well at the course in the last three uh, tournaments here, top 15 finishes in all three. And the thing, how I mentioned this is one of the shorter courses, if you look at Cantley's approach stats, his worst approach range is that 150 to 175 range, which is kind of an area the majority of courses you need to be good in because you'll have a lot of approaches there. Where this week, I think a lot of these holes are going to play shorter than that where that's not going to affect him too much. So kind of where he's the worst at, it's not even going to be in play. It's not going to be a factor. He won't have to think about shots from that range. So just kind of the course history, 
I think it fits him a little bit. He's got a great all-around game. Cantley at 10-4 is a great play in my mind. What do you have, Sean? Well, I think as you ran through those guys, I think they're all studs um, in their own right. I mean, uh, Dustin Johnson, Brooks Kapka, Bryson DeChambeau, I think those guys will make this course even shorter. Um, so looking at them originally, I don't know if I would really on my own start a lineup with any of these guys. I think, like you said, it is a kind of a flyer week with some of the maybe the leftovers from the U.S. Open, but um, there's a lot of people in the field that could also make a run for some of this. So I think there's other plays or other value plays to get some more bang for your buck. And I think a lot of people might be picking these guys. But with that all said, um, for somebody in that line, Lineup, I would definitely, um, I'm going to go with Bryson DeChambeau. Um, I feel kind of gross saying his name, seeing that I... I say that the Brooks guy <laughs> is picking Bryson. Well, I, like I said, I'm, in my own pocket, I'm not going to pick anybody. But I do like Bryson in this range. I mean, like I said earlier, I saw him on eight. He did have that nice shot in there about an inch away. But then we did see on the back nine how he blew up and, and lost yeah. a few strokes. So, I mean, he can definitely, when he's in the groove, you've seen him hit very good, like nice shots last year's U.S. Open when he won it. At Arnold Palmer, when he hit those humongous drives across the pond. So, you know, I think, like I said, there's a, a, those three guys are big hitters, and that's probably why they're on the price ranges up there because they're the top three guys in the field. Um, so picking any of those probably wouldn't be a bad idea, but Bryson, and at, uh, I believe he was 11-1, you said? Um, yep. Yeah, 11-1, only missing one cut. And having six top tens on the year, I don't think that it's a, a bad pick. So, Bryson at 11-1 is who I would be going with in that price range. The, I will say, I mean, Bryson, if the wedges, the irons are good, he can win kind of anywhere. But that's the problem is I think with him being so long, he'll be forced to kind of take it easy with the driver where he's going to have a lot of wedges in, where I don't think he was great this past week with the wedges. Um, I mean, he could be a good play, and when I think him kind of having a point to prove after that back nine at the U.S. Open could just make him a good play because he's going to come out here and just say, screw you to everyone. But the the worry is that he leaves himself with bad bad yardages and has to hit a lot more wedges than he wants to which aren't his bread and butter not kind of what he's great at scares me a little bit with him um but i do like your point in you know just ignoring this 10k range there's a lot of guys that i like even more than some of these guys in the 10k range that are down here in the nines that you could easily start your lineups with um a lot of these guys have great games that I think fit the course playing well. So I have no problem with you saying just avoid the 10K range this week and get a little bit more of a balanced lineup. Yeah, I think I think you're going to find a lot of value in, in this tournament just in terms of, of pricing lower. So um, you always try to play the, play the game of am I picking somebody that everybody else is going to pick because then that's even though I, they might get tons of points, it's even points. So... Um, yeah, I think there's a lot of different ways that you could you could throw one together and, and have a good lineup in here. So, yeah, definitely. We'll move down to the 9K range. For me, I'm gonna go with the bottom of this range. Uh, Abe Answer, 
and Ernest not Joaquin Neiman, who is at nine, playing Abe Answer at nine one. But Abe Answer to me on short courses, more the peak guy design courses where it's going to be that full kind of bag challenge, I guess you could say. Abe Answer, just one of those guys that succeeds. I think a lot of people are going to be on him just because there's a lot of smart people out there that do know, like, hey, it's a bit of a shorter course. Abe Answer is one of the best iron players in the world. I mean, even though he missed the cut at the U.S. Open, still, like, I think he gained something over six strokes on approach and still missed the cut, which is pretty crazy. But it just his all-around game, I think, is very solid. His length off the tee kills him at the U.S. Open because he isn't a long hitter by any means. Um, so hopefully people see that missed cut at the U.S. Open don't necessarily realize we're playing a completely different track here. Stay off of him. And his last two rounds here, he's finished 11th and 8th. So he's got a decent course history. And, and he's at the bottom of this you know, price range, which I also like. So for me, Abe answer at 9-1, I think it's just a great play. Yeah, I'm a little shocked it's not Joaquin Neiman, but I understand the variety, so I like it. <laughs> uh, we'll be back to we'll be back to Neiman before season's end. Um, just want to see a little bit more out of this game. <laughs> well, I, I figured it's not it's Rum Rum's staying in your mouth this week, so it's it's okay to to move on to some new people. Um, but in the uh, in the nine k range, like I said, I might start a few people, but. No better way to start it than the guy who's almost in the 10K range uh, with Paul Casey, uh, who's at 9-9. Um, I think he's uh, he's been playing some pretty interesting golf. If you if you look at some of the stats he has, he has eight top 10s on the year. Uh, only missed two cuts uh, out of the 17 events that he's played. Uh, he does have one win that did happen to come on the European Tour, but a win is a win, so that's good. Uh, the players he took fifth, PGA Championship, he took fourth, and then at the U.S. Open, he took seventh. Um, so you can see how he's very consistent in his play and what, how, how he likes to attack the game. I think he's got a, a solid all-around game that will allow him to kind of play long when he needs to and then also has the iron control to, to take care of what he needs. Um, I will say I do have a personal connection with Paul Casey now after this weekend because on, on eight, he hit his tee shot up. It went off, like I mentioned, it was a hard green, so it went off to the off to a little fringe area, and uh, he ended up making his birdie putt off of it, and he and I locked eyes, and he pointed over, and we both they were celebrating. So I'm going to celebrate with Paul Casey and take him this week at 9-9. <laughs> yeah, he's someone who does have just an excellent all-around game, sneaky, really good season. I think that, that win was like over in Dubai, if I remember correctly, in a very strong field. Yes, um, it was. So, I mean, yeah, I think he's a great pick. I have already submitted lineups where I start with Paul Casey this week. Great ball striker, like the pick. Um, but, yeah, I mean, just to throw some more names out there, Kevin Streelman, even though you see him at 9-4, a lot higher than we normally would. Good course history, been playing excellent. And we have Scotty Scheffler at 9-6, who's – Got a great run of form going, you know, T7 last week, uh, third the week before when he played at the Memorial, so a couple weeks ago, but his last event, I believe. Um, Tony Fino, someone who hasn't been excellent, but like 
I mean, top 10 Tony, you can never count them out if you're just looking to snag that top 10, you know. So there are a lot of guys in here who I think are good plays. But we'll move on to the 8K range. I'll go ahead and get us started. So for me, I'm sticking to the bottom of this range again. Harris English is my pick. His approach game has been getting better two of the last three tournaments. He's been excellent, including last week at the U.S. Open. Right. I remember last year, kind of the beginning of this year, Harris English was probably like a top 10 player in the world, maybe, right? I might be pushing it, but he was up there. Um, winning tournaments, playing great golf, just striking the ball. I mean, his ball striking is one of the best on tour, and that's what was kind of really leading them to those wins, all of those top 10 finishes. So we've seen some of that iron improvement lately. I'm going to I'm kind of a week late, maybe jumping on him after that third place finish at the Open. But I want to try to jump on this as soon as we can. I think at 8-2, he's a bit of a bargain here. When you just look at really his last year and a half of play, I think it's much better than Henley, than Rose, Siwoo Kim, who are all priced you know, a couple hundred above him. You know, I, I just think Harris English will be a really good play this week. He's at 8-2, so bottom of the range here. Um, but, you know, there are a few good picks in this range as well, Sean. Who do you have? I'd like to go with Cam Smith at 8-7 because of how he broke his club and chucked it like everyone would love to on the course. Um, but I, uh, I'm i going to go with somebody you just mentioned uh, with who's just above you, uh, Russell Henley. Uh, he's at 8-3, so we're both kind of sticking to the the end of the range there. Um, he's had some pretty good stats for for looking in this 8K range. Four top 10s, only five cuts missed. Uh, 13th last week at the U.S. Open. So I, And he had a couple good rounds. He started off early on with a 67 um, and, and did some pretty uh, good things along the way. Although, he, you know, the, the course was tougher, uh, even though some critics said it wasn't a U.S. Open course. It was a U.S. Open course. Um, but I think, you know, I think Russell Henley is a, is a good play. I think you, you might see him try to come back from seeing that hot start of last week um, and seeing some of the other guys in the ratings uh, for the 8K range. Um, I've picked a few of them earlier, like Charlie Hoffman, who's been consistent. I think he's he could be somebody here just like at, at the Valero, uh, where he kind of went off and, and took a second for me. I think he could be somebody who fits into this into this lineup too. Um, but I'm going to, I'm going to stick with Russell Henley at 8-3. Uh, Russell Henley, another kind of a ball strikers mold here. Um, still finished T13 at the U S open, which is, you know, nothing to bat your eyes at there, but it's a, it's a great finish better than I would have ever thought he would do. Um, but yeah, great start to the week kind of tailed off. He is someone who he is a little bit volatile where, you know, he's top 10, top five or outside the top 30, a little bit too inconsistent. I don't know if I'm playing one of the bigger lineups. I think he could be a really good play uh, just because he, he does have that top 10, top five ability. But sometimes he worries me and scares me off a little bit and. You did mention Charlie Hoffman. He's a guy that I do like this week who has been all year just playing excellent golf. And but you know, we'll kinda we'll kinda see how the week goes, see what our you know, maybe what we 
think about later in the week what our lineup builds are. But definitely, I mean, probably all three of those guys will see see a spot in our lineups. Mm-hmm. Moving down to the 7K range. So for me, I think Ricky's back. I'm going with Ricky Fowler at 7'3". Uh, I know it's, it's a bit of a bit of a wild pick here. And we haven't really been too big on Ricky at all this year for good reason. Right? Everyone knows his play has been pretty brutal. And but he has shown some promising signs. Right? Everyone remembers Ricky kind of back in the day was just making every putt. That's where he was kind of making all of his money was just with the putter. And then it fell off. The putter was terrible. He was struggling. He's overall he's been a terrible putter on tour this year, but he has gained a bunch of strokes the last two tournaments with the putter. He's gained on approach, gaining around the green. The only thing lately that kind of has been missing is off the tee game, which I don't think will affect him too much this week. Um, but right, great signs with the putter being back, the irons being good. He's got an 11th and an eighth place finish he's coming off of um, he's played here uh, back in 2013 I think was the last time finished 13th and then the tournament before that here he finished 13th so he's got a decent little course history though it's been a while but I'm jumping on the Ricky Fowler bandwagon we're getting him back into all these WGCs and major events you know get Ricky back in here make the game fun again <laughs> You need to see that orange jumpsuit on Sundays. Exactly. <laughs> well, I, I think uh, I think Ricky's a good pick. I'm hoping that he does well, too. Um, I was kind of trying to think of ways that I could jump down your throat like you did with me on Stenson, but I like Fowler, so I'm hoping that he does well. Um, but for me, since I since in my lineups I'm not really starting with some of those top guys, I'm able to, to add up some money later on. So I'm sticking to the top end of the, some of these tiers. Uh, where normally I, I tend to stick to the low end. So I'm going to go with Keegan Bradley this week. Um, he's got three top tens and only missed seven cuts. Um, 20, he played 20 events, so 13 made cuts, so a little over half. Um, but I think he's kind of somebody similar to a Charlie Hoffman, where at Valero he took 23rd, um, or at Valspar where he took second, where I think he can, if he gets into a little bit of trouble, he can get in, into a... Uh, his games can kind of save himself in, in a way. You know, his putter is pretty hot, so if he can get going with the putter, uh, I think that's where he kind of starts to make some of his movements on things. Um, but I, I think Keegan Bradley has a game that would fit a, a kind of a shorter course where I think he competes on longer courses or with the bigger guys, but I think he just can't, you know, the distance is where he's kind of lacking in some of that area, so I think it'll be interesting to see where he he can come to at this course. Um, so 7-9, Keegan Bradley. I do like the Keegan Bradley pick. He's someone who I have played quite a bit this year um, because, like you said, the putter has been hot for him, something that we don't see out of Keegan Bradley just about ever. I'm just trying to look up his stats here. In the last one, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, only twice has he lost strokes putting, which is not Keegan Bradley-esque. And yeah, you're right. You know, he is pretty solid. He, well, he's been solid around the green this year, and his approach game has been excellent. Um, he's kind of always one of the best in approach. Just 
taking Bradley Goff, you know, bomb the ball, bomb the ball down there, good approach, three putt. Um, so yeah, if he just if he has a putter going, he can compete just about everywhere. It's just you worry about Keegan kind of when he was at the Sony Open and he lost about seven strokes putting. Um, but the putter has been hot basically since Arnold Palmer. Um, but I do like the Keegan pick. I think he is a good play this week. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> we'll uh, get to the 6K range, and it should be no surprise. We're going back to Vincent Faley for me. I mean, I'm hoping, you know, he had that great um, mid-cut streak, even though he was getting priced in the low sixes, mid-sixes, just as making cuts, just consistently finishing, like, 30th place. Right, and then everyone I think was kind of on and under in the Palmetto, missed the cut, um, and his irons were brutal there. But I'm hoping some people maybe fall off on him. We can get him at a low ownership. I I don't think that the iron game is going to continue to be terrible really in back to back weeks because that's one of the things that have been saving him. Um, and at 6'4", with just the consistency that he's played with, like, in the last two, three months, whatever it's been, I mean, in the low sixes, if I can get a guy who I can be fairly confident is making the cut, getting me, you know, a, a top 40 placement, I'm pretty happy. Um, so that's why I'm going Vincent Whaley, riding them again this week. Nice. Sticking with the things that work. Um, I'm going with somebody that... uh never heard of before so i'm doing the exact opposite um, but i will say um it looks like this guy loves to play golf because he's played 33 events this year and he's made 24 of them so in the 6,000 range uh that's a pretty decent value for your pick uh, he's got eight top tens now i say all of that uh and but he's been riding the corn ferry tour for the last couple of months uh, he has had a streak of two back-to-back -back seconds um but he has two PGA Tour events this year, uh, a 48 at the WGC Workday at Concession and an 8th at Palmetto, so just a few weeks ago. Uh, and that person, as the long drum roll anticipates, is David Lipsky. Uh, he's coming in at 6'9", so again at the top of the range, a trend for me this week. Um, but I think, you know, you, you take kind of the, the, the distance of how he's been playing this year, of, in terms of the events to cuts, and I, like I said, some of them have been Euro or Corn Ferry, uh, but still the the consistency in which this guy's been playing, I think is a is, is going to be key for this week. I think sometimes you got to take a little bit of a shot on some of these guys. You know, I know Zalatoris, Burns, those guys were playing golf before, and and not necessarily um, Corn Ferry events, but PGA and just kind of lower end and not making a name for themselves. But one of these weeks, some of these guys have to to hit and i'm just hoping that lipsky's week is this week uh so six nine david lipsky i'm just looking at some of his results that he's had here and because he's played over in the abu dhabi hsbc championship and the omega dubai desert classic which we talked about with uh paul casey traditionally some you know better fields some tougher tournaments and he's made the cut he had a t5 finish at the hsbc championship t35 at the desert classic does have a couple second place finishes on the corn ferry tour uh, i i think he could be a sneaky really good play this week i mean 
the iron game, you know, for the the rounds we have measured here has been excellent. And kind of in the Keegan Bradley mold, it looks like a little bit where the putter just isn't great some weeks. And but the approach game off the tee looks pretty solid. Yeah, I mean, I haven't. I, I'll be honest, I haven't really watched him play much at all. Uh, I've heard the name, but I think he could be a, a sneaky good pick at six nine. I hope so, because I like the number, and I also like the guy. So let's go. <laughs> um, so we'll uh, we'll get into our strokes gained PTC proximity to course. Going with a bit of a deep dive at six one, JJ Henry. So he's he's a Connecticut native from Fairfield, Connecticut. Most importantly, he won at this course back in two thousand six. He's he's way at the bottom of the list, so I'm hoping you know maybe we get a couple of strokes gained. We can get a made cut out of him this week. Um, but like we said, this course can kind of bring in some volatility. Hopefully, uh, JJ can make the most of it. We'll see him make a cut here. The Connecticut's boy, Connecticut's finest. And well, moving on, we'll get into our one and done. Um, I'll let you kind of take it over, Sean, because I know you have all of the uh, all the information, all the stats you can bring us for that. Sure. Um, so we've been doing this for, what, now 12 weeks, I think. This will be our 12th event. Um, so we've um, we've only missed a few cuts ourselves amongst the, amongst ourselves. So I feel like that's a win. It's a win in its own. Um, but going over previous uh, week's results for the U.S. Open, I had Brooks Kepka, who was the highest dollar winner. Uh, Xander Shoffley, which was Lenny, came in second for money totals. And then Bryson, who uh, we talked about falling off, unfortunately hurt Nate, uh, who came in third. Um, so right now, before the event start off in the Travelers, uh, Nate is in third uh, with 1.36. Um, Lenny is in second with 1.52. And then I am in first uh, with a whopping three point, we'll just say 3.05. Um, so I, uh, I know Nate's not here today, uh, but he is up first due to Bryson having uh, a meltdown on the last couple holes and uh, not finding a beverage in that 12 pack his ball was next to. Um, and so Nate is going to pick uh, the, one of the guys that LJ was high on uh, in Harris English. Um, so Harris English is Nate's one-and-done pick for the Travelers, and that means, Lenny, you are up next for yours. I'm going to go with uh, Patrick Cantlay this week. Um, kind of my guy in the 10K range. So why not play him? Okay, I like your logic. Um, so I'm going to stick with your logic, except for my 10K play. don't have one, so I'm going to go with my 9K play. Uh, and Paul Casey, and I'm going to keep that that look of connection going with that. So hopefully he uh, he appreciates me picking him because it seems like whoever I've picked, uh, if they have made me money, has made some money. So uh, Paul, if you're listening, I will send you my Venmo so you can get a share. Um, <laughs> but that is uh, that's our listing for the one and done. Um, but yeah, listen back next week to hear more on how we did. Yeah, definitely. Speaking of next week, we do have the Rocket Mortgage Classic coming up. Rocket. So uh, we'll be going over that. Kind of getting into the swing of things before we hit the open that we got coming up in a few weeks. Um, 
So I'm sure we'll see some interesting fields in these next couple of weeks as guys are preparing um, to get over to play the Open. But anyways, that's all we've got this week and out of the rough. Make sure you follow us on all of our social media sites at Out of the Rough WK and go follow our main uh, channel at WeKnowFantasy.com. And until next week, Sean, we will see you.